Vancouver in the blazing sun on the 9th of February, 61. And from the 10th of February through till May, it rained and poured all night and day. The more they try to keep me down, the better I live in this here town. And the more they try to grind you down, the better I like Vancouver town. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vancouver Places, where we tell you the fun, interesting stories about the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, that you must not miss. We're going to break with tradition a little bit on this one. This is not our 44th episode, but we do have a very special guest on this episode again. So I am going to throw it over straight to Graham for an intro on this one. Hi, Mike, uh, Dave, and hello as well to Eve. I'm pretty excited today, everybody, because Eve Lazarus has joined us for a special uh, uh, podcast episode. And um, Eve, as many people may know, is a Vancouver writer, author, speaker, and in my mind, also a content machine, because she has, I don't know how many books you said a minute ago, Eve, but I always think of Murder by Milkshake, Blood, Sweat and Fear, Cold Case Vancouver. Those are my three favorites, but I think you've got easily a half dozen more. And you have a podcast. In fact, I think you have two podcasts. Cold Case Canada is the one that I'm currently listening to. And you have a blog uh, as well, which I always, I subscribe to. I always enjoy getting the email from you that says there's a new story there. And it is evelazarus.com slash blog. But evelazarus.com is just a great place to go. So that's my plug and my recommendation. <laughs> Mike always asks my final thought. And I'm, I'm being very proactive and getting it right out of the way. I'm so good. That's ask. my final thought is go to that website. But Eve... Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Dave, good morning to you as well. Uh, thank you. Good morning, Eve, Mike. And uh, just I just kind of can't wait to learn more about murders and mysteries and <laughs> morgues and macabre. <laughs> My favorite and subject. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll get it rolling a little bit because, uh, as you know, our format is we sort of talk about uh, places that we put in our, our book and try and tell a little bit of the backstory about that. And we had as uh, place number 106 in our book, the Police Museum at 240 East Cordova Street. And we've got a little story in there, and we've got the picture in there. This is a very gruesome picture of the, uh, of the morgue table. Uh, one of the other ones that I proposed to the publishers was the picture of this axe. Um, there's also some uh, plaster casts of skulls. There's all kinds of things in there that are quite... Um, eye-catching, I should say, at, at least. But I thought, you know, who knows this place better than anybody is Eve. So Eve, tell us a little bit about your experience with the Vancouver Police Museum. Wow. Um, yeah, I know I've spent a lot of time at the uh, Vancouver Police Museum and Archives, and it really is um, ground zero for crime writers in the city and, and also for crime fiction writers. It's uh, I don't know if a lot of people know that. A lot, a lot of people just don't know it. It always blows me away that it's, it's such this hidden treasure that we have um, in Vancouver. And um, it's the building itself dates back to 1932. And it's, it was originally built for John Vance, Inspector John Vance. Do you know Vance's story? It's just such no, an amazing no. story. No. And he was um, the first forensic investigator, really in Canada. And he was oh. definitely the first forensic guy attached to a police department, which is a Vancouver Police Department, of course, here. Oh. And he's virtually unheard of. But the lab was built for him. He also did autopsy. So the autopsy suites there. 
Uh, it was the coroner's court. It was the morgue. And everything, as you know, is still pristine. And there, it's amazing. It's also in archives. So much of the material that you'll find in my books, you know, I've been going through the, the archives there and the, the photo files and things like that. And they've got, you know, decades worth of um, Vancouver Police Department annual reports. And it's just this real treasure trove. And have you ever been down there to see the mug books? It's just mm. worth a visit for the mug books. They're these huge, huge binders and full yeah, of people's yeah. life stories. It's just incredible. You can mm. sit there for days reading <laughs> through these incredible, sad, sad stories. And, you know, I've used a few of those um, in, in the books. But I was um, researching cold case Vancouver and I was actually on my last chapter and it was uh, a young girl that was murdered she was 24 and she lived in North Vancouver and she was beaten to death and her body was dumped in West Vancouver just above the highway in the cemetery there and she was a war worker and um, the archivist down here at North Van had emailed me and she said look I found this album that's come in and the name on it's Jenny Conroy are you interested and I said oh my god just jumped in the car got a picture of Diane holding this album and she said you know I've done this research she was murdered it's unsolved and I said oh my god I, you know I'm so sorry the book's finished I'd love to you know put this in there and um, I wrote it up on my blog the next day and you know if there dozen people in the world that read my blog this woman Debbie's niece writes to me oh. and said that was my aunt and by the way oh. she had a daughter that was adopted three months out she was an unmarried mother daughter was adopted out three months before she was murdered do you want to speak to us she's 70 years old she lives in New Zealand I said oh my god yes so I called my editor and said I really want the story in the book and she said well you've got a week and I thought, you know, these stories have taken months and months to research. But Debbie, the, the niece, and, and Mary, her daughter, the three of us got together and we collaborated on this chapter. And Mary had done incredible amount of work on her biological mother and, and she'd got a lot of information before privacy had kicked in. So we were able to build what I think is the strongest chapter in the book. Anyway, as I was researching this, I came across this article and it talked about uh, the crime scene in West Vancouver and that Walter Mulligan, who was then a detective and later became our corrupt, you know, police of chief of police. Mm. And this inspector Vance had turned up at the crime scene to do forensics. And I thought 1944, we had forensics back then. How yeah. cool is that? So I went to the Vancouver police museum and they had not a lot of information about him but, you know, knew about him, of course, because he was a, the founding part of the, the building and also had a lot of his equipment, all these, you know, cool old test tubes and, you know, mm. weird sort of ballistics, you know, really early forensic stuff in there. So I was able to look at that and think, oh, my God, this is so interesting. So they were able to put me on to one of his grandchildren and his daughter was still alive. She was 98 years old <sighs> and sadly had dementia. So she wasn't a lot of help unfortunately, um, with that. But her daughter, Vance's granddaughter, was telling me the story. She said, you know, I was about 10 years old. It was the 60s. Vance was moving and I helped him. And we're unpacking these boxes and repacking them. And they're all these amazing crime scene photos and, mm. you know, equipment and books and handwritten stuff and autopsy notes and photographs. And, and too bad, probably got thrown out decades ago. <laughs> anyway, by this time, I'd gathered up you know, oh, probably a dozen or more emails of grandchildren across North America. 
And as a last ditch effort, I said, oh, could you all just check your attics and, and your basements and, and just see if, if your grandfather left anything, any of this exists. Anyway, seven boxes oh turned up on Cabriola <laughs> Island, right, in, in a, a, a grandson's garage. They were marked shoes and clothes. And wow. it was like seven decades. This was when he retired in 49. There was even his diary in there there was a year of his diary in 1932 the year that the police museum was built there are seven attacks on his life people tried to blow him up they put car bombs they they tried to bomb his house because they were so scared of this guy you know in court because he was kind of like this forensic guru that would say oh yes i found this piece of rag and I've attached it to the the piece that was found on the (laughs) safe and it's conclusive you know we found him and the guy would go to jail so they were trying to kill this guy and stop him from you know doing what he he did best Um, so I was absolutely fascinated by this and even you know like these crime scene photos autopsy photos stuff that it was so awful I, uh, I wouldn't publish um but I'm going through these boxes and then I pick up this envelope and this torn up envelope and on it's got Jenny Eldon Conroy murdered West Vancouver 1944. And I thought, oh my God, that's my Jenny that started this. And I open it and I literally, you know, there's photos of Jenny and dead and, um, you know, some pretty gruesome stuff, but I'm opening this little package and out on my desk spills Jenny's hair. From oh the my gosh. Scene. And like <laughs> gravel from the crime oh, scene. No. Like he'd kept oh, the forensic wow. samples and oh, taken them home. So mm. it was kind of like, oh, I've got to do a book on this guy. How could you <laughs> yeah. not? Oh my um, gosh. But to me, it was just so interesting. Like, you know, to, to give you an idea of how leading edge this guy was. So here he is in his lab in 1932. The FBI didn't get a forensics lab until that year. And Vance mm. had been on the job for decades since then. Mm. So, so it's just hard to believe it. It started in Vancouver. Oh nobody, nobody would think of that. You watch all these crime investigation shows, and this is the lineage is traced back to around the twenties or thirties. And this guy, and and if this was in the states, we'd have a statue to this guy. But, you know, <laughs> no one's ever heard him here, right? So I'm so proud of this book. <laughs> was this like a? Was this just like out of his own interest, or was this something that the Vancouver Police Department was like, "Hey, we really want to have a forensic department"? Or was this this guy just? Like, yeah, this seems like my thing. Oh, really good question. He actually started as a city analyst in 1907. And that was checking that, you know, that the food supply was safe, water supply was safe. And he had a background in mining because he had no Mm. education, no formal education because there wasn't anything around then. Um, But he, so his background in mining gave him uh, some experience in poisons and blood. And like even blood back then, you know, you it was so complicated. We take everything for granted now, you know, with DNA and we solve the yeah. case in 45 minutes. But back then, this was hugely, hugely complicated. If you found something red on a carpet, just to find out that it was blood and not say, I don't know, red ink or ketchup, you had to go through all these incredible tests, you know, days of tests. And then mm. to find out what type of blood it was, you know, the four blood groups, you know, there was another series of tests. Like it was a huge amount of work. Uh, 
And um, so that's what he was brought into. And I could trace him back to the first crime scene in 1914. And they'd found what they thought was blood on the carpet in this missing persons case in the West End. And they brought in Vance as a city analyst and he discovered mm. it was blood. And it's this great story. It's chapter one. It was um, this uh, couple that had a Chinese houseboy and um, Oh, I don't want to really give the spoiler scene, but she disappeared and she turned up, cut up and burnt in a furnace. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I listened to that episode. So, it was, that oh, was a good you. one. They're all good <laughs> ones, but I, I, I do remember that one now. It's coming back to me. Yeah. So how, does, unforgettable. How, does the, how does the current day Vancouver Police Department feel about you um, doing these in, in wonderful books and investigating and prodding and digging things up? Are they, are they cooperative? Are they... Um, Resistance. I mean, it seems to me that there's a degree of privacy, or maybe um, you ever run into any resistance when you oh. come up with a great idea. Oh my God, yes, all the time, especially <laughs> in a cold case or an unsolved murder, they won't talk to you at all. Okay, um, even like because, the decades old. Well, I guess that's kind of the definition oh. of a cold case, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, Carry we're on. looking at cases. Say, so, so let's take the Paul's case in 1958. It was Vancouver's first triple murder, and their crime their crime exhibitors at the police museum. You've probably, you know, seen it. It's, it's horrific. It was a couple on their 11-year-old daughter. So I was trying to get information on that. Now, you would think after, you know, 66 decades, 60 years almost, that that would be a no-brainer. It's up on their website as an unsolved case. Obviously, that's a last resort. I had to file freedom of information mm. requests. I got knocked back. I appealed that, got knocked back. Um, it's virtually impossible to get wow. information on unsolved cases. But retired detectives, homicide detectives at work, these will talk to me and, and do because they really want to see these cases solved. Wow. And I've had a few on podcasts that are talking about, you know, um, the, the police investigation and, and why it's stalled and, and are hoping that the podcast will get out into, you know, a wider area outside Vancouver and maybe get some leads. Yeah. So a case is never closed. Like if, there, if, if the suspect has not been identified or gone to court, the, the file just remains open forever, kind of? They're, well, they're that's the what they say. Remains open, but they're not necessarily but working no, no on it. No one's paying any attention to it, yeah. No, yeah. I run a Facebook group page called Cold Case Canada, and a lot of the family and friends are on it. And these go back until, you know, Jenny's case in the 40s. And some of them have never been contacted, you know, decades by the police. They just so, don't have the resources. I mean, it's not it's not incompetency. It's just as takes time and people and money to to continue to investigate. I well, guess. that's true. Yeah, and they run into a wall. And but now DNA. If you've seen all this stuff with Babes in the Woods that's come out in the last couple of weeks, um, yeah, Babes in the Woods and another true yeah. crime exhibit from you know going back to the yeah, police museum where I first heard of it. That one, I thought that uh, they had exhausted or has gone as far as they could with DNA. But I tell me what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Oh, it's fascinating. I, I did a, a two-part um, podcast at my last season, and we're just at the stage where um, the coroner had sent down the DNA to the states, to labs down there, to try to get a profile that they could put into these um, genealogical databases, and they couldn't get anything because the bones were so old, they had yeah. so little material to work on. Well, they finally did a last-ditch effort into uh, Red Path Research, I think it's called, and um, they were managed to get a profile out of it, which is incredible. Wow. But they're actually on my, again, on my, if you're on Facebook, they're on this Cold Case Canada. They've put up a post and they're, they're answering questions 
on the page about mm. DNA. So if anyone's sort of interested mm. in that, go on the page, the post is there and, and it's been brilliant. Like I've been answering, asking all these, you know, questions like, cause I have a grade 10 science background about, you know, <laughs> how does this work? This is I got so grade fascinating. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they've been great. They're this company of just walking th people through their questions and concerns about DNA. But so you're, you're, a, you're amazing. <laughs> oh, go on, sorry. No, I'm just telling other people's stories. It's a, it, strike, but, it strikes me that you're a forensic historian. But uh, I think we're so lucky to have you in Vancouver. My, oh. my, my final question is, do all cities have somebody like you that are really interested in researching this and coming up with mysteries and shedding light on interesting, like if I went to Seattle or Calgary, is there an East Lazarus there investigating? Or is there an association of crime writers across Canada? It just seems so unusual to me what you do. Well, there is a, a crime writers, but I think they're more sort of fiction yeah. than um, nonfiction. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't come across a, a lot of, um, especially females. It just seems to be kind of a male-dominated true crime thing. And I was writing history. I didn't even realise till book three that I was actually writing true crime. So. <laughs> Fell into it. Um. Is there anything that you want to highlight about the actual museum itself? Like, I know you mentioned when it was built, um, but is there anything that people should check out? Because you can just go to the museum and like, as like, obviously you can't just dive in like you were saying about like asking people these questions about these old cold cases. But in terms of the museum, is there anything that you want to highlight or you know, things that people should check out or look at? Oh, just, you know, wander through it. You know, mm -hmm. the true crime exhibits are amazing. And uh, just a, another short story, if I, if I can, we had the um, book launch for Blood, Sweat and Fear at the museum. And we did tours of areas that um, weren't normally accessible to the public to seize equipment and all this Ooh. sort of stuff. And we'd set up a bar in the autopsy suite. And I was up there having it, which was awesome. And uh, so I was up there having a drink with a couple of people. And this woman came up to me and she said, I'm Janine Castellani. That was my oh mother. My and her mother's exhibit is literally behind us. Esther Castellani was murdered by arsenic milkshakes in 1965. And the autopsy suite was where she was brought after her body was exhumed. So I'm standing here with my oh glass of wine thinking, this is, this is really surreal. And um, book launches, you know, are like weddings. You can't really talk to, to people, you know, spend a lot of time individually. So we arranged <laughs> a time to meet um, the following week and, and that became Murder by Milkshake, you know, very much told by Janine, uh, who was 11 when her dad murdered her mother. So that was the genesis of the book, the meeting her, serendipitously meeting her at the, at the morgue. <laughs> yes, the only was. thing that would have made your story better is if you were drinking a Bloody Mary. I'm surprised oh. you didn't say that. <laughs> Oh, that's awful. Yeah, this wouldn't be, be a podcast without a awkward joke. A stupid yeah. thing for me to say. <laughs> I was going to say awkward joke, but yeah, that too. Um, but yeah, that's actually funny because we, that, in our very first episode of our podcast, Graham, I think we, or Dave, someone mentioned Murder by Milkshake. It came up, didn't it? Yeah. We, yeah, we talked about the BOMAX sign, the biggest sign in North America at the time. And then we talked about a publicity stunt where a guy sat on top of it until every car was going to be sold yeah. in a BOMAC parking lot, a yeah. BOMAC car lot. And he turns out to be, I don't want to use the word villain, but he, he was the murderer, wasn't he? He, yes. he? he poisoned his wife with arsenic and threw her milkshake. So just an odd coincidence that that was our first story in our podcast about the BOMAC sign. Well, that's <laughs> actually how he got caught one of the main reasons, because he was uh, tried on circumstantial evidence, but he was up there for nine days. 
And when they, <laughs> yeah, when they tested her for arsenic, they found that there was a nine-day period where she didn't get any. <laughs> and that happened to coincide while he was up on the BOMAC sign. And when he came back down, she, he, she got a huge dose. So obviously he was going to finish her off. And she died shortly after that. So it was both. Oh, he, was just up, he was up there thinking about, I got to sell some cars and also I'm going to finish off my wife at the, after this. Yeah, if we can sell some cars quicker, I can get back and put more arsenic in her milkshake. Oh my so God. I don't, don't want to laugh about that, but also. Oh, you don't want to laugh about it. It's just so bizarre. It is oh my bizarre. God. Oh my gosh. But what great stories. You know, I just, I, I, I love these stories. They're fantastic. And I just love the way Eve, you've sort of, gone in and as I said done this forensic uh, historian sort of stuff and I, and I think that's the thing I've enjoyed about our work uh, on on the 111 places Dave is just trying to like peel back some of the history and uh, another one just pops to mind is that Fund building which has now been destroyed um, but I had walked by it a, I don't know a thousand times before Dave you told me it used to be a radio station I didn't know that so it's just yeah, well, I'm covering these things and what you're saying about Inspector Vance I mean yeah, there should be. I'm already Netflix. If you're listening, you know, get in touch <laughs> with Eve because I think there's a, a series there. Good heavens, well, I love. Finding well, I can't stories. wait to dive into you know, another one of Eve's books because it, it doesn't require a, a 20 minute or half hour podcast. It requires a six or seven hour read to tell most of these stories properly because they have so much detail and so much rich color. And um, I just think that we're, we've got a great asset in Vancouver with somebody like Eve. It takes the time to do the research, the hard work, the heavy lifting, mm -hmm. so that we can just, you know, learn more about the city and its history and these fascinating macabre stories. <laughs> thank you, Eve. Well, thank <laughs> you. That was very nice. Thank you. So, so Grave at the very beginning mentioned my questions about last thoughts. So Graham, I know that you don't have any last thoughts. So I'm going to throw this. I already in. got in there. Yeah, yeah. Do you, Eve? Do you have any last thoughts? Yeah, anything that you want to impart on us before we we finish this off? No, just that everyone should go visit the Vancouver Police Museum and Archives. It's just such a treasure, and uh, I think it's open again. So go. Okay, perfect. Okay, so go to 240 Cordova Street in Vancouver. That is where the Police Museum is. And then I'm going to throw it over to you again. Sorry, Eve, for some shameless self-promotion. What do you want to talk about? I know you have books, blogs, podcasts. What, what do you want to <laughs> talk about? What, what should people check out? Well, my current obsession is my podcast. I'm just loving it. Um, and I just started season two last Friday with the uh, murder of Danny Brent in 1954. And I, I'm thrilled because I've got George Garrett, who was the investigative reporter for CKW for 40 years and covered that. Like He st literally started with CKW in 1956 and just reporting on police corruption in Vancouver. So he's on the show just talking about what it was like back then. So, I, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to do. And what's your podcast called? Cold Case Canada. Cold Case Canada, perfect. So go check out Cold Case Canada. Also look up. So I know you're, I can yeah. see your one book called Vancouver Exposed in the background of your shot there. And then there's other ones. What's your other books called? Uh, well, my three, my true crime trio, I guess, is Cold Case Vancouver, Blood, Sweat and Fear, which is the story of Inspector Vance and Murder by Milkshake. And uh, my others, I've got Sensational Vancouver, Sensational Victoria, At Home with History, a Frommer's Guide book and uh, an art book about Frank Molnar. <laughs> She was a content machine. Yeah. You're so lazy. Why don't you get one and do something? You know, I'm currently working on Cold Case BC. It's a sequel to Cold Case Vancouver, and it's going to be published oh. by Arsenal Pulp Press next year, next fall. Fantastic. So Eve is busy. 
go check out all the things that she's doing (laughs) on all the places um but on this note we're going to wrap this up and say make sure that you always come back next week and check out uh another episode of vancouver places we tell you the fun interesting stories about the city of vancouver british columbia canada that you must not miss see you next time